Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Lady Gets Lucky by Joanna Shoup. So this was just recently published in 2021 and is the second in the Fifth Avenue Rebel series. And full disclosure, we did receive an advanced reader copy from NetGalley. All right, let's, let's read the book jacket and then we can talk a little bit about the series. The woman no one notices. Shy heiress Alice Lusk is tired of being overlooked by every bachelor. Something has to change, else she'll be forced to marry a man whose only desire is her fortune. She needs to become a siren, a woman who causes a man's blood to run hot. And she's just met the perfect rogue to help teach her. He's the life of every party. Christopher Kit Ward plans to open a not-so-reputable supper club in New York City, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to hire the best chef in the city to guarantee its success, even if it requires giving carnal lessons to a serious-minded spinster who has an in with the chef. Their bedroom instruction grows passionate, and Alice is a much better pupil than Kit had ever anticipated. When the society gentlemen start to take notice... Kit has to try to win Alice in other ways, but is he too late to win her heart? So, I would say, like, the first two paragraphs are pretty accurate. Yeah, like, they're fine. Yeah. I think the the third paragraph, while true, is not... It is too late, I think, to really be a plot point. It's also a little inaccurate. Yeah, I would have redone that whole third paragraph. Yeah, I would have changed the third paragraph. But I do think it gives you the setup. Yes. All right. So the the first book, uh, The Heiress Effect, we read it back in February, I think. And we were kind of mixed on it. I think we weren't love. We weren't in love with the couple. I was kind of like a little more into it than Lane, just because the the heroine was a tennis player. Yes. But I think this book is a big improvement on that one. I think the plot of this one makes more sense. Like. The first book, as you guys might remember, is Childhood Friends to Lovers with a right. potential love triangle thrown in the mix. And then the second half of the book, after they end up together, the main couple is estranged. Yes. And that's just never a format that works really well for Megarai. I think fundamentally, mm-hmm. like, young, naive girl asking experienced rake for lessons is much more up our alley. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, I, it's not my, one of my favorite tropes, but it's also not a trope that has ever turned me off. Yeah, I think the, the formula here is much, just more inherently likable. Yeah. All that's to say is, like, it's not that her writing massively changed. Yes. It's not that these characters' voices were super distinctive. I think in a lot of ways, what's an, a huge improvement here is just picking a more likable topic. 
a more likable topic. And I think the way the characters deal with it is also more likable, in my opinion. Well, okay. we'll get into it. Before we get into a discussion of the quality, we, as usual, generated a random number and then wrote summaries based on that number. And for this episode, the number is 43. I'll go ahead and start. Okay. Who would have thought that kissing lessons might lead to love? Running a restaurant is a thankless job. Luckily for Alice and Kit, they are able to reward each other after their successful soft open. Soft open is also not how to describe the reward. Meg. <laughs> yeah. That was truly inspired. Thank you. I was very inspired. <laughs> you just made me like the book more with that pun. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> All right. So my summary. Her mother calls her ugly and unappealing. His father calls him selfish and shallow. When their bargain to trade recipes for romantic lessons gets heated, they decide they aren't good enough for the other. Luckily, a cooking emergency provides opportunity for forced proximity. This is also very true. I, I like your summary a lot. I like your summary a lot. I think this is both something I liked about them and sort of disliked about the book. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, I thought their internal conflicts being so instilled by their parents made them feel a lot more authentic. Uh-huh. It was also really fucking miserable to read over and over again. Like, mm -hmm. all the rumination on, like, the horrible things the parents were saying. I, the fact that it happened, I thought, explained a lot of who the characters were. But I yeah. don't think Shoop ever gave you an understanding of why the parents behaved the way they did. Yeah. So Kit's father, I will say Kit's father is not present in the text. And everything you hear about him is through Kit's introspection. But his Alice's mother. the country to start a new life. Yes. So like Kit has no contact with his dad. He could be dead for all Kit knows. Kit has gone no contact with his father, which I think is a good decision for him. Yes. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he's not damaged from the relationship. I. I agree with you. I think I have, I think I have less issues with Kit's father since he's not present. And so, you know, I, I don't need a great in-depth discussion of why Kit's father acted the way he did. People sometimes act like assholes for no reason, right? Mm -hmm. Alice's mother, on the other hand, is, I mean, she's just a constant, horrible person. Just like constantly mean to her daughter. And, yeah, you really don't know why. And, be, like, we've seen this trope of, like, a mom insulting her daughter on the basis of it's a tough world out there and I'm trying to prepare you. Yeah. But every time there's at least more of an attempt to give the mother a tragic backstory so you understand why she wants to harden her daughter off. And it usually involves the mother picking on something that's not traditionally acceptable. Mm -hmm. about her daughter and in this case like her mom just straight up calls her ugly and unappealing like mm -hmm. those words come out of her mother's mouth it's not like I'm trying to prepare you for you know you're shy and people are going to not understand you and I want to point out every time you're withdrawing and yes it might embarrass you her mom's just mean it was just mean like super mean like for example she's like you don't you shouldn't eat in front of 
men because I guess you shouldn't eat in front of them because it's not attractive. It's, but it's not just other wounding. Books, she snatches foods out of her hands in front of people. Yes. In other books, I think we would have seen, you know, she's afraid that she's going to get fat. And that was something that happened to the mother when she was younger or something like that. Right. But there's, there's no justification. At all. It's that. just that like eating is unladylike. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of what I was trying to get at was I think that really in a lot of ways is the conflict. They're both poorly equipped to deal with a highly volatile emotional situations because of their traumatized upbringings. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. And I did like, you know, they broke up mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes after they left a house party. Mm -hmm. I'm previewing some tropes here. Trope. Um, and it is the same house party from the first book, if anyone's wondering. Um, and it takes a contrived event to bring them back together. It does. I did not hate said contrived event. Yeah. In fact, the, the contrived event was the focus of my summary. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk about tropes. Yes. One of the, I mean, the big trope in the beginning of the book is the house party. They That's the, the setup, I think, more than the trope. That's true. Uh, and then, of course, there are kissing lessons. I mean, the book opens. The open the opening of this book is Kit has had a rough day of socializing. He's getting kind of sick of, like, putting on a front. Goes back to his room. Who should knock on the door but Alice? Did you? This was one of my questions. Was it a front? What was the front? So I think, so basically Kit is very good. He's an extrovert. He's very good at charming people, putting people at their ease. I think for him, he's done it for so long. He's kind of lost who his true self is. If he's always pleasing people, who, who is Kit? It's in, it's like in Runaway Bride. <laughs> okay, I understand the one about. I didn't get that from his character at all. Oh, I did. Yeah, I I totally did not understand his justification for a front. Like I understood him wanting to do more with his life. He's at a house party to help his best friend. He's starting a business with another best friend, which innately requires him to socialize and schmooze. Like this exhaustion with playing the society game, especially in this setting, like I didn't buy. I think his, I think the deal is he wants, if he's going to play this role, he wants to do it for something that he believes in, which is his supper club. But in um, this case, he's doing it for his best friend to help right. him out. He's doing it for his best friend. There's a, there's an example um, where he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing. And his friend is like, yeah, yeah, you know, you just love to party. And he's like, dude, I want to be here if it weren't for you. Yeah. I Okay. I'll get to this later. I feel like a lot of this book's frustrations for me came from the fact that I felt like most characterizations were told and not shown. Mm -hmm. So yes, Kit's internal monologue articulates that he is not interested in socializing. He says something to that effect to his best friend, but I feel like all of his behavior contradicts that. It's hard to break free of the shell we've created, Lane. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh, opening of the book, Alice shows up at his door and she's like, I need you to teach me how to seduce a man. 
Look, it's and a great opening. Like, the fuck does that mean? Like, do you want me to take you to bed? And she's like, no, no, no. I just want to like ask you some questions. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, no, no, no. Just tell me. She's like, I want to get married. In order to get married, I need to know how to make a man be attracted to me. Basically, like, so you snuck into my room in the middle of the night to talk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I thought it was a great like cold open to a book. It was really funny. It was good. And him giving her the brandy was just like yeah, the whole. It, it's look the opening scene is a great opening scene. Uh, so kissing lessons. What else? What's just some of their tropes? So as we mentioned, both of them have a parent who sucks and like abuses them. So daddy mommy issues. And in both cases, their parents were trapped in loveless marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's something that I had questions about Alice's father, actually, because he's not yep. present on the page. She says that he loves her. And in fact, he does help her, you know, get her Twice. mother off her back. Mm-hmm. And yet she's still with this horrible woman who her father knows treats her horribly. So related to the kissing lessons, there is this trope, one of my favorite tropes, mm-hmm. which is the, you know, the... Which is the whole like, oh, I'm so ugly, I'm so dumpy, and the other person goes, "No, you're not." And they're like, "Oh, really? Then why aren't you kissing me?" And he's like, "Okay, fine, I'll prove to you that I think you're attractive." My favorite, yeah, my favorite version of this trope is my boner is proof that I am attracted to you. I love it, and I mean, he literally is like, "Oh, maybe I should tell her that I jacked off to her last night. That would prove me wrong." (laughs) he masturbates not infrequently all the time yeah he 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 seems to masturbate like all the time yeah um (laughs) so that's basically a personality trait for him with how frequently it happens i mean yeah i mean (laughs) yes um so during one of the lessons when she's in his room stupid late at night of course they're seen. Of course. Luckily, it's by a friend who keeps her mouth shut. But I feel like that happens a lot where somebody's like, okay, I saw you and I won't say anything. But girl, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> right. Although in this case, also, it was, it was the other way around. You shouldn't be doing that with her. Don't you know she's a debutante? Mm-hmm. It happens. She talks to both of them. That's true. So it goes both ways. Uh, which... Is there's another trope which is like the meddling friend who somehow gets every gets the conflict going or excuse me gets the resolution to the conflict going, which sometimes I don't mind, but sometimes I'm like, ugh, like can't they do this themselves? You know? Yeah. Yeah, he drinks a lot to get rid of his problems. He drinks, and it's not just him. Harrison, his best friend, who he's at the house party with, does too. And then they've got another friend who. I will be talking about later. Yep, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Like, the way drinking is handled in this book actually made me uncomfortable. I I think it's interesting because I feel like it's pretty true to the time. 
from other books that I've read about the Gilded Age. That does not mean that it's easy to read. I think it for me, I understand that historically people drank just way more. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been periods in history where like water wasn't safe, so people just drank right. wine constantly as effectively water. And I know the Gilded Age wasn't that era, but my point is I understand that like the human relationship with alcohol has evolved pretty significantly. But I think what bothered me about it is I think you're right that it's somewhat accurate to the Gilded Age, but I think you know the way they thought about their drinking was modern. Mm. Like, I don't think it was, it's the 20s, so I'm going to have a drink in my hand. Mm-hmm. Like, the way they talk about their friend who has the drinking problems drinking and the way they compare themselves to him and the way they clearly think, I'm doing this not because it's what we do, but because I want to be oblivious. Right. Like, I, I thought it was a, 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 there was a disconnect Mm-hmm. between like the historical accuracy and the way they conceived of it that made it feel like everyone had a fucking drinking problem. Yeah. Yeah. They drink a lot. I mean, yeah. the first time Alice meets him, she's like, he's like, here, have some bourbon, you know? Yep. But that bothers like the, hey, I'm just having a nightcap. And like, you see the author do the character, the author, the main character do that all the time. Doesn't bug me. I like, Hey, I drink a nightcap every night is like not in, is not indicative of a problem. Right. He's got like four hangovers in this book and that's just him. That's not accounting all the other characters. Who have hangovers? Yeah, there are a lot of them who who wake up and are like, "Oh, I don't feel so good." Who face like serious consequences for their drinking. Well, yeah, really serious. And consequences. they welcome it. It's I I thought it was poorly handled. Um, so house party, speaking of the house party, someone turns an ankle during house party and there's a little bit of hurt comfort. Just a little bit. Reminded me of, um, secrets of a summer night a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Best, best hurt comfort at a house party ever, right? No, I I see the, I see the comparison. Mm All righty. So let's dive into the meat of this book, unless there's anything you want to add on tropes. Nah, I'm good. All right. You clearly really enjoyed this. I, yeah, I had a really fun time with this book. What can I say? I thought there was a lot that worked here. Mm-hmm. I liked that he was catching feelings and, like, wouldn't admit it, and she was catching feelings and was all too willing to be like, nope, I have feelings now, so we can't hang out. Well, Okay, so uh, the conflict of this book is the historical romance conflict, which is she wants to get married, in her case, specifically to get away from her controlling mother. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in in most historical romances, because that's how a woman will ensure her future, right? Mm -hmm. So she wants to get married. He does not want to get married because he wants to rake around for a while, right? Run this club because he frankly doesn't think he deserves a good woman, whatever, whatever. But, I mean, this is the basic historical romance plot. Like, if you're going to be a conflict, I should say. If you're going to, like, rank how many conflicts there are where the woman wants to get married and the man doesn't want to, there are a lot out there. What I like more, it's less about the individual and more like the man having an inherent opposition to marriage as an institution. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, What I liked about this one is how, I mean, 
how honest both of them were about their positions with each other. Yes. Especially in comparison with the first book, where the main conflict was him lying about shit all the time. Correct. And here, they're, they're just both very open with each other from the beginning. I mean, from the beginning, she's like, I want to learn how to seduce a man so that I can seduce a different man other than you into marrying me. Mm. And he's like, okay, I will do that for you, but you should know I'm not looking to get married. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. So, I don't know. I, I liked it. I mean, yes. Do we get into communication issues later where they were open with each other in the beginning, but then, of course, they both start to catch feelings and they don't want to admit it because the other one, you know, he doesn't want to get married, so I shouldn't tell him I love him. Sure. But she's pretty honest that her feelings are getting deeper, and that's why she doesn't want to continue their physical relationship. Yeah, I liked how upfront they both were about that for sure. Yeah. And even even as the communication issues start to break down, it's the bigger issue is them not being honest with themselves. I think if they're admitting something to themselves, they admit it to the other person. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's less communication issues and more like stunted growth issues. Yeah, right. Which to me was more authentic for the characters. I know for you, more tell, don't show. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked that. I also mm-hmm. really liked that for the for really the entire book, they're on the same team, right? I kind of want to quibble with that. I see mm-hmm. what you're saying and why you're saying it. But his ultimate goal is to successfully open this restaurant using the recipes from the chef she knew in childhood. And they both want that for him. Mm-hmm. Her ultimate goal is to marry someone. To marry someone. Right. And they are not on the same page about that. Well, because he, of course, he gets jealous and, you know, it doesn't Right, like he says he is, but he doesn't want to admit his feelings. So, like, I feel like it's 50-50 here to me to to say, like, what we love is when characters are on the same page and on the same team. They have to be working together toward a common goal. And I feel like here it was her supporting his goals and then him being an annoying brat about hers. Well, he thought he was supporting her goals. No, he didn't. He just, he just didn't understand that he was in love with her, Lane. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, let's talk about this friend that Lane was talking about earlier who has, who's an alcoholic, who has alcoholism. Yes. Um, what I was really surprised at, so you meet him, the probably about halfway through the book, you meet him, this friend. And um, Kit... And his friend Preston are trying to help out this other, this friend, um, who doesn't, doesn't want to be helped, basically. And he, he leaves. I was convinced that Forrest, this friend, was going to be like the romantic lead of one of the coming novels. Same. So I was, this, this is very minor spoiler that we are going to mention under offensiveness or content warnings later. But his friend actually um, dies 
And I was really surprised by that. Just because th- I was like, this isn't how romance novels work. You know, he's going to be a romantic lead. What's going on? He's going to overcome his alcoholism with the help of a good woman, obviously. Well, the other thing that kind of bothered me about it is they were part of a foursome, friends at school, which is why it's sort of set up that, okay, these are going to be the four romantic heroes. Mm-hmm. I think it's increasingly clear the Duke is going to be one of them. And Nellie, yes. Yeah. She could end up with one of them, though. I think she's going to end up with the Duke. Okay. But the point is, Nellie's not going to be, like, an extra book. She will be one of theirs. Yes. She's going to be yeah, the she's Duke's. Either gonna... I'm, I, this is total speculation on my part, but I think she's going to be the Duke's romance lead. Sure. That you're told the four of them were this, like, unbreakable crew, and then for the last six months, Forrest became really suddenly withdrawn, and they all feel like they've been bad friends because they didn't realize how bad it had gotten. Mm-hmm. Who was he before he got sick? How did he fit into their foursome? Did any, like, what could have precipitated his very, from what you can tell, quick downfall? Like, I feel like there was so little curiosity from him. Yeah. And Preston about his best friend. I felt that entire thing was really weirdly written. Yeah. I I, I mean, I was really surprised. And I, I think maybe that's why I was surprised, too, is because I assumed that they were going to go into the relationship more in future books, you know. So anyway, I, I was really surprised. It was written like a teaser. Like, we're setting up his story. Right. And if, like, he'd just been missing at the right. end of the book, I wouldn't be saying. Like, I feel like he's poorly developed. But I kind of don't understand why she set up what she did. Yeah, I I don't know. He could have just been a friend in trouble to set up this specific the last six months, something suddenly happened, there's this big mystery. Why put all the legwork into that if you're just going to kill him off? So it does make me question whether it was like a fake, although they identified the body. And we'll talk about that in offensiveness. So, Yeah. I have a couple of plot questions that like irked me. Mm-hmm. So they're making a big deal of the fact that the fact that Alice is the chef. Yeah. Who's helping him at this preview is a really big secret. A woman chef in general is a huge secret. Yes. And it's her specifically is a huge secret. Yes. There's no evidence on the page they're actually trying to keep it a secret. I agree. She like one of their mutual friends comes to help her in the kitchen and then brings her dad, who was brings a her guest. Dad back. Who's yes. like meet her on like the this and she goes out to meet the performer. Yeah. Which, like her real anyway. And she uses a name that people know her by. My my favorite part is at the end, there's a plot point about like, oh, maybe they'll reveal who it is. I don't know. And she's they were like, How could anyone know? And I'm like, well, you guys weren't exactly like great about the incognito shit. They were terrible at it. And they I didn't know so bad at it. I couldn't tell if the reporter being on their trail was like Shoop winking at us, like I know they were terrible at this, or if it was all just kind of like forgotten plot points and she just didn't worry about it. They were really bad at it. And the way he goes to warn her about it is like even more proof of how bad he is at it. I was like, Kit, I thought you were like this great, discreet lover, but. He, he was so not. Shirt. 
<laughs> and one of the things that bugged me about Alice as a character is she starts attributing every like daring thing she does to meeting Kit. The book opens with her going into his room at night. Yeah. Unprompted, unsolicited, having never met him. I feel like yeah. a lot of the daring things she reflects on throughout the book, one, you're giving him too much credit. And two, that was more daring than this thing you're reflecting on. Yeah. I found it really frustrating. <laughs> Uh, for me, she's, it's more of a, she's giving herself credit because he showed her that she could take credit. God, the poor Duke. <laughs> I know. I feel, I, okay, look, I feel kind of bad for him, but I also think that, okay, total speculation, guys. I have not, like, read spoilers. I've not talked to Joanna Shoup. I don't know if this is actually going to happen. In my opinion, he and Nellie have already slept together. And so I think the Duke has been being kind of an asshole anyway by pursuing these other women when really he should be with Nellie. But he's like, oh, Nellie gave it up. Why buy the cow when I can get the milk for free? But this is all headcanon, like complete speculation on my part. So while I did feel bad for the Duke, I also think the Duke should have been pursuing Nellie all along. Um. I also felt you were basically told that the reason men don't pursue Alice is her mom mm-hmm. being so abrasive and horrible. Once a guy married her, he will get to take her away from her mother. I understand that her mom is like obnoxious as fuck, but I sort of didn't get why she was such a deterrent. Like, I wish we'd seen more of that rather than just been told that in passing. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they have plenty of choice, you know? She's pretty young and really wealthy. Yeah. Do they? I mean, there's Maddie, there's Nellie, there's Catherine. Like, just in this book itself, there are, like, four or five other women. Yeah, I think... This is where, like, my impression of the time may be wrong, but, like, they were an incestuous social circle. Well, yeah. Realistically, like, all the big families just ended up intermarrying over and over. Yes, but this is also part of the reason why so many American heiresses went to England was because they couldn't break into the social circle. Or there there was so much money that just money is not going to be enough for you. So I, I did not find it. Super but all plausible. these women have money and pedigree. They, they some do, some don't. They they're right. not like they're not quite like the Knickerbocker crowd. Well, and they talk a lot about Aster snubbing them in this book. Right. Yeah, it was. I, I just wanted a little bit more than a passing comment about how her mom had turned men away, or specifically what the issue had been historically. Sure. Um, did, there is an epilogue that, without spoiling it, I really liked. Me too. Really liked. Me too. And it was so great. It it sort of punt fakes you. Yes. On thinking this is going to be, like, a very generic epilogue, and then it is not. I agree with you. It was so much fun, wasn't it? Because you're like, oh, Lord, okay. And then you're like, wait, what? Yes. (laughs) It's great. It was great. Um, anything else we want to cover in quality? I think we covered it. Okay. Uh, and did anything upset you, offend you, or do you think anything warrants just like a flag? 
All right. So honestly, I wasn't, I was not offended by anything in this book, right? I don't think anything to me rose to the level of offensive. Okay. That said, we've we've talked about this in several other books. He thinks of her as being a virgin a lot. A lot. Not in a fetishizing way. No, no. Just like that's how he stops himself from going any further is he'll just think to himself, Kit, she's a virgin. It's in, I was torn on this one because I hate this, I think, in some ways more than Meg does. Mm -hmm. It was definitely infantilizing here. Like she's a virgin and therefore she must not be tainted. Yes. But it wasn't fetishizing virginity or worse, fetishizing youthfulness. No, no, it wasn't. So I'll give him credit there. Like, yes, I think for all that he tried to be women's lib about women's freedom for sexuality, he it it is a little bit patronizing the way he thinks of her virginity, but it is not like yes, conquering unconquered territory, which is when I get like really grossed out. He's not like, oh, thank God, I'm the first man to ever touch her. No, he never thinks that actually ever. Yeah, ever. So that's why, like, yes, it's a little annoying here, but it doesn't rise to the level of I'm actually pissed off and offended about it. Yeah. Let's see. All right. Anything else? Um, we talked about the drinking problem. Yeah. So I just want to, like, that I said already, like, that did bother me the way it yeah. was done. I think it needed more or less. Well, and, um, and we content note, there is a, there's problematic drinking in this book. So, you know, if yeah. you personally have an issue... Um, if that's a, something that's difficult for you to read, you may want to avoid this. And probably most other Joanna Shoe books, let's be completely honest. Yeah. Um, I just want to, so this is a minor spoiler for the friend's death. You guys, he's cut in half by a train. Mm-hmm. It's grotesque. It is. It was really intense imagery. In the yeah. middle of a fluffy sex lessons book? Yeah, it's true. I think it was supposed to be horrible, but you're right. Like, why have that in this fun book about kissing lessons? He was found in a gutter. would have been traumatizing enough. Mm-hmm. He was cut in half by a fucking train? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry about in a plane? Yeah. Um... So this is a kissing book. They start kissing pretty early. Mm-hmm. And I thought the kissing was like very hot. Mm-hmm. I was really kind of into it more than I usually am. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was really sexy. I was going to say, I think Shoop can just really write sex. I think my only criticism of the sex You've got a situation of, like, goodbye sex uh-huh. being the sex and her fighting him on what's best for her. And it got to a point where, like, he was saying no and you're in his head so you know he's doing it for her benefit and she's insisting. I and was, it didn't feel a little, like, it didn't quite cross the line. No. I, but it was all a little, like, too close to the line. Yes, it was very close to the line because... Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think in this scene, the reason I think I was okay with it 
because there are times that I'm like, mm, that really crossed the line. In this scene, she doesn't actually touch him. She's, he's yeah. like, basically they're like, they're, <laughs> oh my God, it's, she's so sexy, right? She's like, he makes her come like two times. And then she's like, I really want to have sex. And he's like, mm, like, no, I really don't think we should. And she just stands up and just gets undressed. <laughs> and she's like, no, I want you to fuck me. And he's like, okay, you convinced me. <laughs> and so I was okay with it, basically. Yeah. Like I said, it walked right up to a line. There was, I, there was one particular wording where she says, like, she wants to do it. And he says, I don't. She says, I want to make love to you. And it's partly because she uses the word love. No, this is when she's blowing him. This is before that. Oh, before, yeah, 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 yeah. She was like, what would you say if I wanted to have sex? And he would say, I would say I don't want to. Yes. And that, it, like, it was sort of the language of that specifically. Like, it just, like I said, you know he's consenting. She doesn't touch him. Like, but it did just feel pressure-filled. Like, she had an agenda, and they were going to have sex that night. Yeah. I and don't yes, know. I, his I, reluctance I, was to protect something that she didn't want to. And, like, I, I'm just saying, that was the one, the one scene that I was like, mm, I, I don't know how I, I feel about I will say, this. a lot of times my go-to for this is I'll be like, okay, I'm going to gender swap this and see if I would be uncomfortable the other way. Mm -hmm. And for me, if the guy's like, okay, fine. You don't want to make love. I will remove myself. I'm just going to get undressed and be like, look, I really want to have sex with you. And if that is what convinces the woman to have sex with him, I would be like, yeah, I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it did not cross the line. I don't want to imply this is rapey. It is not. It's just I, 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 pressure-y. I will it say. a little pressure -y. This is like three chapters of sex, too. Yeah, no, I don't have. This is my only small quibble in a book chock full of making out and sex full of it one of my favorite parts it's actually very early she gives him a hickey she doesn't yeah. realize that she's giving him a hickey but she does and he's like he like loves it and he yeah. like goes right doesn't even try to cover it with like a tie I feel like this was a big trope in 90s romantic movies mm -hmm. where the guy who was like super experienced was hooking up with a girl who was way less experienced and she like re-inspired him to just take joy in making out. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually really liked that because he was like, normally by now we'd be like on the bed getting hot and heavy, but because this is just going to be kissing lessons, we're just going to kiss. But it's like such an extended makeup that he's like, damn, those yep. kisses. I was it into was, it. It was really cute. What can I say? I thought it was great. Jo Joanna Shoup can write sex. No complaints. No complaints. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe. Check us out around the internet on our WordPress site, uh, Plot Trists on Goodreads slash Plot Trusts or on Instagram at Plot Trusts.